Last week, we started a new sermon series on living by faith. And this is a crucial series because all through the Bible, we read that, that Jesus will give us everything we need to live the Christian life, but he does this through faith, by faith. When we come to Jesus Christ and we trust him, that's the channel through which everything we need in the Christian life flows. It's, it's by faith that he enables us to love our enemies. It's by faith that we're enabled to overcome discouragement. It's by faith that we receive the, spiritual, the, the fruit of the spirit of patience, for example. So everything we need comes to us by faith, through faith. And so today we're going to look at how we overcome temptation by faith. Before we dig into the passage, I want you to think about a temptation that you have faced recently, maybe this last week, just so we have a concrete temptation that, that you have in your mind. You can think about, how did I seek to overcome that? So think about a concrete temptation that you have faced recently. Maybe you were tempted to lie to your manager at work for some reason. Tempting. Maybe you've been tempted to have feelings for someone who's not your husband or who's not your wife. There's that temptation there. Maybe you've been tempted to look at something on the internet that you shouldn't be looking at. Or you've been tempted to be bitter against someone and not forgive them. There's just dozens and dozens of temptations. So do you have one in mind? Can you think about a concrete temptation that you've faced this last week? Now, now think about what did you do to try to overcome that temptation? How did you try to overcome it? As I was just thinking this week, I mean, I've been a Christian for 40, 50 years. I didn't really do the math. Long time. And, uh, and I've heard lots of different explanations for how we overcome faith that have been brought. There was a season where I was hearing a lot of people talk about the way to overcome temptation was, was just by being more dedicated to the Lord, by, by exercising your will, by resolving to, to not sin. And, and of course, willpower, resolve, very important parts of the Christian life. But your willpower, my willpower, is not enough to overcome temptation. Listen, it's not enough. But I heard that for a while. I also went through a season where I heard that the way to overcome temptation was by gratitude, that we, we motivate our obedience and we overcome temptation by stirring up gratitude, gratefulness to the Lord. And gratitude, gratefulness to the Lord is crucial of importance. I mean, it's super important in the Christian life. None of us are grateful to the Lord enough for what he's done. But I don't see any passage in the Bible where gratitude is how we overcome temptation. I also went through a season where I heard people say that the way to overcome temptation, motivate obedience, was by believing who you are in Christ. And this is super important to believe. I mean, think of who we are in Christ. We're new creations in Christ Jesus, right? We are redeemed. We're forgiven. We're adopted. He's our Father. We're born again. I mean, all the beautiful truths that are true for us because we are now in Christ, believe those. But I can't find any passage where it says that believing those is how we overcome temptation. Because you're asking, okay, if it's none of those, how do we overcome temptation? I already told you, it's, it's by faith. And the passage that teaches that is taught all over the Bible, but one of the most clear passages I've seen is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 26, when we read about a temptation that Moses faced. Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. Let's look at what we 
read. I want to start with the question, what temptation did he face? And look at verses 24 and 25. Here's what we read. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, here's the background story. God's people were in Egypt as slaves, slaves in Egypt, and God's people kept having babies, lots and lots of babies, and the population grew and grew and grew, and Pharaoh became threatened by how large their population was becoming, so he made a decree that any baby boy born to an Israelite must be killed. Ruthless, heartbreaking decree. Now, Moses' mother, when she gave birth to Moses, she trusted God. And she disobeyed Pharaoh's decree and kept Moses alive. And you know the story, hid him in a little basket by the banks of the Nile River in the bulrushes. Okay, you heard the story, right? And what God does next is amazing. God has Pharaoh's daughter. Okay, we're talking royalty here, all right? One digit on her license plate, right? Okay, we're talking royalty here, okay? God has Pharaoh's daughter walk along the bank of the Nile River right where little baby Moses is hidden, and Pharaoh's daughter finds baby Moses. Moses, baby Moses melts her heart. She wants to adopt him. She does adopt him, and then what God does next is so beautiful. She wants to find an Israelite woman who will nurse him, and guess who she hires to nurse baby Moses, Moses' mother. Beautiful story, okay? So think about Moses. He grows up, and again, Moses now is royalty in Egypt, okay? He's got scads of money. He's got wasta. He's got influence, okay? And he put it in modern-day terms. He might have had like a Nile, you know, waterfront mansion, fancy sports car, luxurious yacht, prestige, all the comforts, pleasures you could imagine. That's what Moses had as he grew up being part of Pharaoh's household. Okay, but you know the story. God called Moses to leave Pharaoh's household and become part of God's people. Remember, God's people were slaves. So God had called Pharaoh to Moses, to leave Pharaoh's household, leave all the pleasures, comforts, money, influence, prestige, honor, power, leave all of that, and to join God's people, which meant becoming a slave. Now, let's just, let's just feel. We, we don't read anything about Moses being tempted here, but I'm sure he probably was. He certainly could have been. And so let's just try to imagine, try to feel in your heart, how it would have felt to be Moses, maybe standing on your balcony overlooking the Nile River in your mansion, servants at your beck and call, looking down on your yacht and your sports car and thinking of all that you have. I mean, you're, you're just totally decked out in the finest clothes. And, and you look across, maybe you look across the river. I'm not sure this is how it was, but maybe where the Israelites lived, where the slaves lived. And you're thinking, God's called me to leave all of this, and live there and become a slave. So can you feel the temptation you might have felt? So what did Moses do? 
Let's read verses 24 and 25 again. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. What did Moses do? He overcame whatever temptation he faced, and he obeyed God. Now, how did he do that? How did he obey God? How did he overcome temptation? I mean, again, think of, think of what Moses faced. So, so on the one hand, over, over here, we have all the, the luxuries, the power, the influence, the wealth, the possessions of being part of Pharaoh's household. And over here, there's God's people becoming a slave, suffering, oppression, hardship, poverty, labor, hot Egyptian sun making bricks. Just total night and day difference. So how did Moses overcome the temptation? He would have felt drawn to stay in Pharaoh's household. Am I really going to give up all that? I'm not sure I want to give up all that. Be so costly to join God's people as a slave. So how did he overcome the temptation? Beginning of verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused. So it was by faith he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith, verse 25, he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God. So underline those two words. We can just skip right over those words in this verse. But the way Moses overcame temptation was by faith. Now, what does that mean? Lots of Christians, and for a long time in my own life, I thought living by faith meant understanding what God calls me to do, agreeing that, okay, because God calls me, that's what I should do, and then trying very hard to do it. Understanding what God wants me to do, agreeing it's what I should do, and then trying really hard to do it. But listen, you can do all that and not have any faith at all. But a lot of us think that's what faith means, and so we think, well, so Moses, for Moses to do it by faith meant, okay, I understand God's calling me to leave Pharaoh's household and join God's people as a slave, because that's what God's telling me to do, that's what I'm supposed to do, Okay, I'm going to try hard to do it. We can think, well, that's faith. That's not faith. That's not what it meant for Moses to do it by faith. What does it mean that he overcame temptation by faith? The answer is in verse 26. This is shocking. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. You know, that phrase, reproach of Christ, is a little tricky. It might be a little confusing. What is, what is the reproach of Christ? The word reproach has to do with shame or dishonor or oppression or suffering. So, Moses understood that the, the reproach, he's talking about becoming a slave with God's people, the suffering of that, and, he, and the author calls it the reproach of Christ because he wants to remind all of us followers of Jesus that following Jesus will bring reproach will bring dishonor from other people. There will be suffering and hardship and persecution. So reproach of Christ is simply a way to describe the suffering that Moses was going to experience, joining God's people, becoming a slave, hardship, oppression, poverty. That's the reproach of Christ. And what we read in verse 26, or with that in mind, read verse 26 again. He, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ, suffering with God's people as a slave, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. 
greater wealth. In other words, Moses looked at the reproach of Christ, becoming a slave with God's people, suffering poverty, hardship. This is greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Now see, this is huge because a lot of us could think, well, Moses saw the treasures of Egypt and saw being a slave. Okay, God's calling me to leave the greater wealth of Egypt and, and go for lesser wealth suffering with God's people. But that's not how Moses saw it. Moses saw the, the great wealth of Egypt, but he saw that to obey God, to join God's people, was a greater wealth than staying in Pharaoh's household. Again, this is crucial because a lot of us could think what Moses did was, okay, man, there's lots of good stuff over here. There's less good stuff over here, but this is what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just going to try to do, you know, settle for less over here. But see, that's not what Moses saw. There's, there's more over here, he saw. There's better over here. There's greater over here. That's why I'm going over here. Do you see how different that is? Now, how is becoming a slave greater wealth than a waterfront mansion by the Nile with all the perks that Moses had? It's the end of verse 26. Let's read the whole verse again. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Why? For he was looking to the reward. Underline those words. That is key. By faith, beginning of verse 24, and then he was looking to the reward, end of verse 26. That's how to overcome temptation. When you feel your heart being drawn towards sin, fight it by faith, which means look to the reward. Look to the reward. Okay? Don't just grit your teeth and that's what I'm supposed to do. Don't think, okay, God's calling me. I've got, I've got to settle for less joy. I've got to settle for less pleasure here. No, God wants to give you and he's promising you greater joy. So look to the reward. Now, what is the reward? We talked about this a little bit last week. What is the reward? The reward is God himself. Knowing God in the person of Jesus Christ. The reward is not health or wealth or earthly pleasures. God never promises us that. The prize, the reward, is knowing God in the person of Jesus. Now, let me try to explain how this works. God's made us so we find our greatest joys as human beings, our greatest joys in beholding majesty, beauty, and glory, something spectacular. That, that's where we find our greatest joys. We're wired to find our greatest joys there. Okay, now, I, just as an experiment, here's what I tried yesterday. I said, is that really true? So, so I went onto YouTube, and I typed in uh, best football goals. Hit enter, okay? And the top results came up, 50 best football goals. I said, click, check out this. Of course, we're talking about real football, soccer, right? Okay. So, so I, 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 was a 15-minute came up, 15-minute video came up. And I was just kind of feeling, I was working on my sermon, I was just, you know, things are going pretty good, but, you know, my heart wasn't like, wow, but I was, just, I was just working away. And I watched the first few minutes of this video, it was 15 minutes long, the first couple minutes, and I was enthralled. It was amazing. I was captured. I mean, these athletes are incredible. One of these shots was like the way far left corner, 
Okay, like, like here's, here's the goal line, way left corner, okay, and the, and the goal is right in the same line, and he hooked that ball up and over the goalie's head right into the back corner of the goal. It's like, whoa! I mean, I was watching this, there were chills going, I was just like, this is amazing, and so why? It's because we see excellence, we see majesty, we see beauty. I mean, that's why we travel to go to fancy places to see mountains and canyons and sunsets and deserts and dunes and right because we are wired to get the greatest pleasures in beholding glory excellence and beauty now now listen god's glory in jesus christ is infinitely greater than the best football goals or the most amazing scenery you have at a vacation or anything else when you see god Revealed in Christ with the, 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 our, our sinful blindness removed. Oh, there's, there's nothing better. I mean, you've tasted this if, you're, if you've been born again and you're a believer. I mean, just think about who God is and, and imagine seeing God. I mean, God spoke a word and a universe existed. Imagine seeing the God who did that. And then God freed Israel, later in the story, from Egypt with signs and wonders and mighty works. And then he had the Red Sea part so that Israel could go across and close the Red Sea back up upon the Egyptian armies. I mean, God's powerful. God's glorious. God's merciful. And then for hundreds of years, we see God's mercy, patience, long-suffering, as Israel worshipped idols and burned their babies in worship of Moloch. And God is patient, and he's warning them, I'm going to bring judgment, but please turn back. I don't want to judge. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in mercy. And they kept sinning and sinning, and finally God did just as he promised. He had a judgment come. They all had been taken into exile, slaughtered in Jerusalem, taken back to Babylon. We see the, the power of God's justice, and then God has them return like he promised all of, through Old Testament history, and then God comes to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, and Jesus grows up, and we watch Jesus, God, before our very eyes, and he heals paralyzed people, and he raises the dead, and with a word, he casts out demons, and they flee, and he multiplies five loaves and two fish to enough food to feed thousands, and he calms the storm with a word, and he loves, and he teaches, and we beheld his glory, right? John 1, glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We're seeing the greatest glory in the universe displayed, God's glory in the God-man Jesus Christ, and then most heartbreaking and astonishing and amazing of all, he walks to the cross. He knows what's awaiting him, and for us rebels who've rebelled against him and who deserve only judgment, he allows himself to be beaten and to be scourged. And at any moment, he could call angels to deliver him, and he would be gone, and we would all be damned. But he loved us. He loved us. Bring the nails. Bring the nails. I love them. I, and just horrifying physical suffering and the wrath of God poured out upon him for our sins. And you see love on the cross, and you see the wrath of God on our sins on the cross, and you see mercy and grace on the cross, and then you see Jesus rising from the dead, having conquered sin, having conquered Satan, having conquered death, 
this whole panorama is a display for our everlasting joy because when we see God, when we behold God's glory in the face of Christ, our hearts are filled. I mean, some of you this morning, I hope all of us, during worship, God just opened the eyes of your hearts to see a little bit more of his glory. And, oh, you are beautiful. You're glorious. I love you. That's what heaven's going to be like. See, that's the reward. God promises us that in heaven, we're going to see God face to face. We're going to be not just through a mirror dimly anymore, but we're going to see face to face. We're going to behold Jesus Christ and behold God's glory. And in this life, God gives us tastes of that now. As we're on the path of obedience, he'll give us tastes. Some of you have had tastes in worship this morning. Some of you this last week, as you've opened up the scriptures and as you've prayed, as you've worshiped, he's given you tastes. And oh, those tastes are so beautiful and filling and satisfying. They think, oh, if this is a taste, the banquet of heaven is going to be amazing. And see, that's the reward. How did Moses overcome this temptation? By looking to the reward of seeing God. Hebrews, I think it's 12, 14, the author of Hebrews says, strive to be at peace with everyone Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which, without which no one will see the Lord. That's the prize. That's the reward. Seeing the Lord. So what I want you to see from this is that becoming a Christian doesn't mean giving up on joy. Okay, no more seeking joy. No more seeking pleasure. Not at all. Becoming a Christian means pursuing the greatest joy. That's what becoming a Christian means. Because as we walk in the path of obedience, seeking the Lord, obeying Him, loving others, He will give us tastes of what it means to see Him, to behold Him. And when we enter heaven and He says, well, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, we will have the full banquet of beholding Him. And seeing Him, beholding Him, fills and satisfies our hearts like nothing the world can offer. So becoming a Christian means turning from lesser joys to seeking the greatest joy of knowing God in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, now this, all this raises a very important question. If the path of obedience brings us the greatest joy, if there is greater wealth in the reproach of Christ than in the treasures of Egypt, if that's true, then why are any of us tempted to sin? Right? I mean, would you be tempted to turn away from a million dollars because you wanted one dollar bill over here, or excuse me, Durham's, would you be tempted? It's not a trick question. Would you be, would you be tempted to turn from a million Durham and run after a one, a one Durham note over here? Thank you. No, none of you would be, I promise you, okay? You would not. So if the greater wealth, the greater joy and pleasure is in God, beholding him in the person of Jesus, well, why would we ever be tempted with the lesser pleasures of sin? The answer is in verse 26. This is so important to understand. Verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for, here's why, he was looking to the reward. Now, see if this makes sense. Moses overcame temptation by looking to the reward. Now, if that's how we overcame temptation, by looking to the reward 
then when we are being tempted, it's because we're not looking to the reward. Does that sound right? If Moses overcame temptation by looking to the reward, that shows that when we're being tempted and we're not overcoming the temptation, it's because we're not looking to the reward. That's what it means. And the reason we're not looking to the reward is because our sin is blinding us to the reward. Now, here's an illustration. I hope this works for you. Okay. Got a few things to get set up here. All right, now. Uh, Okay, we're good. So here's the situation we're at. We are all hungry for joy and pleasure as human beings. God's put that in us. Nothing wrong with that. That's just how he's made us because he wants us to have that satisfied in him. Okay? So we're all hungry for joy and pleasure. And we're walking through the world hungry for joy and pleasure. And sin, this little little piece of bread here, look, it's, you don't, can't see it, but this is dry, this is moldy, okay? But see, listen, if you're, if you're hungry, all right, and this is all you see, you see this little, maybe a little sexual sin, maybe a little impatience, maybe a little, you know, bitterness against somebody, maybe a little bit of gossip, okay? You know how that is? So if you're hungry, and this is what you see, what are you going to want? You're going to want this, right? Okay, this is what you're going to want, because you're, you're hungry, okay? It's like, man, I want this because I'm hungry. But I, here's what we got to see. Over here, okay, we have, we have the greater wealth. Okay, here's, here's, here's all this. Okay, okay so, so this is the greater wealth over here of knowing God in the person of Jesus. Now, you may not be able to see that very well, but let me show you. Okay, this is the greater wealth. Okay, you see that? This is knowing God in the person of Jesus Christ. So now... If you're walking through the world and you're, you're hungry for joy, right? You're ravenous for joy. And, and you see this, this little dried up, moldy little, you know, come eat me, jealousy says. Okay, come, me. I'm awesome. Okay, I'm going to satisfy you. We're thinking, you're an idiot. Okay? Yeah, right? Is this what you're going to do? Okay? See, this is, this is how it should work. But now, but, but that's not how it works, is it? Because we're thinking, yeah, I'm jealous, right? Yeah, I'm bitter about what they did. I'm sorry. I'm hungry, right? A little bit of lust. Yeah, I'm hungry. Don't blame me. Just human. So why are we tempted then towards sin? This is so important to understand. It's because at that moment, whenever you're drawn to sin, it's because your sin is blinding you. You are not even seeing this. You're not seeing it. You're, you're hungry, and you're, you're looking around. It's like not seeing it. You're just blind to it. Like, this will work. Okay. Like, there. Okay. Although it's really, it's really here. Okay, because it's blinding me. But you get the point? So... When we overcome, the way to overcome temptation, the first step is to get rid of our blindness. That's the first step. I mean, think about it. If, if you're not seeing that and you're ravenously hungry and, and little gossip saying, try some of me, I'm going to satisfy you. And, and you're thinking, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm, I'm not seeing anything else. If you think willpower is going to do it, I'm, just, I'm not going to eat that. I'm just not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. Do you see how foolish that is? When you could just like not eat that. Of course I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to eat this. Do you see the difference? It's hugely different. But so here's the problem. 
And again, listen, we're all tempted every day, aren't we? I am, and you are. This is not like every, every couple of years a Christian gets tempted. Okay, this happens all the time. You've got to learn to understand our hearts. Whenever you're tempted, which for me is numerous times every day, it's because at that moment my sin is blinding me to the glory of God in Christ. I'm not seeing the bread of life anymore. I'm not seeing all that Jesus is offering me right now freely through the cross. I'm just not seeing it. And I'm hungry, and that's all I see over here. Okay, so I hope that, does that illustration work? It was helpful for me when I first saw it. So here's the question, what can we do? How can we overcome sin's blinding power? It's by taking the same steps Moses took. Two steps. First one's in verse 24, by faith. Second step, end of verse 26, look to the reward. Let me unpack both of these. So first, by faith. You've got to understand, when, when you're feeling drawn towards bitterness against your boss, when you're being drawn towards fear and worry, okay, in the unbelief, when you're being drawn towards sin in that way, you're being blinded to all that you have in Christ, and you, with your own power, can't overcome that blindness. This is so important. You, you can't overcome it by your own power in yourself. Jesus can totally overcome it, and he will overcome it by his power, and what we need to do is trust him. That's the first step, by faith. So here's what I would encourage you to do. Turn to Jesus. Say, Jesus, look at me. I'm, I want that little, tiny, moldy, dry piece of bread, and I'm not even seeing you anymore. Help me. And Jesus always smiles when we come to him that way. And then I think it's helpful and important to confess, Jesus, forgive me. This is my sin blinding me. I can't blame anybody else. It's my sin, my unbelief. Please forgive me through the cross. And listen, you know because of the cross, he will forgive you every time. He will completely forgive you. And then ask him, now Jesus, would you come by your power and would you set me free from my blindness? Would you set me free from sin's blinding power? Would you come and change my heart now? I can't change my heart. Would you come and change my heart? And then you trust him. You, just, you lean into him. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on you. I'm looking to you. I can't do it. I'm humbling myself before you. I can't do this, but you can, and you promise that you will. I know you're going to, so I'm waiting on you now. I'm here before you. That, that's by faith, okay? That's the starting point, by faith. Then, second step, you look to the reward. Now, how do you do that? You're not seeing it. That's all right. You just look. So, this is what, where you get the best description, the most clear revelation of the reward is in the Bible. So you open up, because there's lots of pictures of bread in here, okay? Lots of descriptions of bread. Are you getting that, right? Come on, just say yes, you get it. Okay, all right, okay, thank you. All right, so you, you open up, and, and God promises, like, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, Psalm 19, right? Uh, John 8, 31 through 32, um, if you abide in my words, wait, Jesus. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free from sin, you read in the next few verses. So again, God's word changes our souls. God's word sets us free. So there's power here. Mm, okay? It's, it's, you can feel it. There's power in God's word. 
And so you open up God's word. Again, your heart's not feeling anything. You're, you're not seeing any bread in here. You're not seeing anything that's going to satisfy you when you first open it up. But you say, God, I'm going to look to the reward. And so you look and you read about who Jesus is. And you say, I'm not seeing it, Father. Open my eyes. I mean, I'm understanding the words, but I'm, I'm not feeling the beauty. Help me. Like yesterday morning, I was reading over Revelation 1, chapter 1, verse 5. Speaking of Jesus, to him who loved us and delivered us from our sins by his blood. Just this one little statement about Jesus. Jesus, you loved me. I deserved only hell forever. And you've delivered me from my sins by your suffering, your blood. And again, praying over that verse, I got some taste. I got some taste of that living bread. You are beautiful. You're glorious. You're, you're majestic. So as you look to the reward in the word, praying over the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will remove the blindness. Okay, so it's like, so you're, you're looking to the reward. You're praying, open my eyes. I'm not seeing it. Open my eyes. Help me to see who you are. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. There it is. Guess what will happen? Okay? By faith, looking to the reward. So this is how we overcome sin's blinding power. You can't willpower yourself to see the beauty of Christ in the scriptures. You can't turn that on and off with a decision, but you can open up the word, and that takes some willpower. You can pray, and that willpower has a place here. That takes some willpower, and as you do that, you will see God in the scriptures. You'll behold God in the scriptures. That's how we overcome sin's blinding power. Okay, now, what does this mean for us? Let me give you three takeaways that I thought might be helpful. They were helpful for me to think about. So three takeaways. The first is, change the way that you look at sin and temptation. Change how you look at it. So here's the picture. I want you to think about this, this illustration, okay? Here's all this bread over here, and here's this little moldy, you know, dry, crusty, piece of nothing over here, okay? And whenever you're tempted, that's what's going on. You're hungry for joy and pleasure, and you're being drawn to this little crusty, moldy piece of bread, and the reason is because at that moment, you're blind to all that you have, all the joy and pleasure there is in knowing Christ. That's what's happening when you're being tempted. And again, I want you to, to feel how important this is because if that's what's going on, then the, what should motivate you to obedience is to have this blindness removed because when you see all this bread here and you see a little bit of bread over here, it's, it's no problem at all to, to, to obey God, to, to seek God, to walk the path of obedience because you see all this over here, right? Okay, but, but if this is what's happening, if there's, if there's spiritual blindness upon you and you're being drawn towards this, how foolish to think that you're going to fight the battle by saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to click on that site on the internet, Right? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to think about it. La, la, la. I'm, I'm not going to worry about my problems. See, willpower, those kind of, you know, psychological techniques, that's not how to fight the fight of faith. That's not how to overcome temptation. The way to overcome temptation is to realize I'm blind to Jesus right now. That's why I'm being tempted, okay? Sin's making me an idiot. I was talking to Jan about this yesterday. She said, we just need to just like slap ourselves in the face. Like, hello, wake up. You're not, you know, you're not seeing things. And I thought, a little brutal, a little harsh, but you're right, okay? It's true. When, when we're being tempted, we need to say, wake up. 
You're blind. And Jesus is standing in front of you with all the blindness healing power you need. So think about it like this. When, when you're, say, maybe jealous at someone else's popularity, they're really popular, man, I'm not popular, and you're feeling jealousy over that, it's because you're thinking that this little moldy piece of bread called popularity is going to satisfy your hunger. And the reason you're thinking that is because you're blind to all that you have over here. Okay, I'm going to leave this uncovered. That's why. So when you're tempted with jealousy over something, that's why. Because you're blind to what you have in Christ. If you're tempted with sexual sin, it's because you think this little moldy piece of crusty bread called sexual sin is going to satisfy your hunger. And the reason you're tempted is because you're blind to, to this massive wealth that you have in knowing Christ. So that's how to see temptation. You're never being tempted to pursue a greater pleasure because Jesus wants me to pursue lesser pleasures. That's never what's going on. It's because you're always being tempted to settle for a lesser pleasure because at that moment you're blind to the greater pleasures. And Jesus is saying, I'll open your eyes. Come to me. I'll open your eyes. I'll heal you from that blindness. So, so change how you see and look at sin and temptation. And second, understand the only way to overcome temptation is by faith. It's by coming to Jesus and saying, open my eyes so I can see who you are. Forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for how sin's blinding me right now. Open my eyes. And then you open up and you, you look at the reward until the, the Holy Spirit heals your spiritual blindness and you see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, verse 8. And you've experienced this. And, and Grace Church, we all need to become wise heart like cardiologists, spiritual heart cardiologists, spiritual cardiologists, right? So that when we're finding ourselves drawn to this, we think, I know what that is, okay? You can diagnose yourself. The problem is spiritual blindness, right? The reason I'm drawn towards this sin is because I'm not seeing who Jesus is. Okay, we can take care of that, okay? And, and as you turn to Jesus by faith and pray and ask for his help and rely on him and depend upon him and open up the scriptures and pray some more and pray over the scriptures, you will experience the Holy Spirit opening your eyes, setting you free from sin's blinding power. Okay, one last takeaway. Do all you can to start each day feasting on the bread of life. Here's why. If you're hungry for joy, pleasure, and you just head into your day, okay, you're going to be much more vulnerable to temptations, right? That is, here, I'll feed you. Here, I'll feed you this. All right, so, so you, you walk into the day hungry. It's like, oh, I, I'm being tempted with this. I'm being tempted with this. Why not go into the day having feasted on the bread of life first? So you're satisfied. So you're full. So you're strengthened. Okay, so you, you're full, you're satisfied. You see a little piece of moldy, dried up bread in the gutter. It's like, yeah, I'm not interested. No, are you kidding me? I've got, I've got this to feast on. You see what a difference it makes? Okay, but listen, how often do you head into your day hungry spiritually? Right? Having not feasted, having not let the Lord satisfy your longings for joy and pleasure and fullness. How many times this last week have you gone into your day hungry? And then you wonder why it's a tough day spiritually for you. Does that make sense? So Grace Church, I, I want to urge you, do 
everything you can. I know we've, we've got different schedules. I know the work hours are long here in Abu Dhabi. But listen, you got to, even though the work hours are long, you still eat physical food, right? Anybody have worked so much you haven't eaten for the last week? I didn't think so. You wouldn't be here. Okay, so, so none of us have so many long hours that it means we shouldn't eat spiritually. So listen, get time to all you can first thing in the morning to get before the Lord, to pour out your soul before him, to feast on his glory, his beauty, to trust in his promises, to see all that God promises to be to you in Christ. Start off your day seeking him by faith, looking to the reward. He will set you free. Listen, I wake up every morning spiritually blind. It's like I'm worried about this. I'm frustrated about that. I'm fearful about this. That's how I wake up, okay? Sorry. You know, <laughs> that's just who I am. So I go downstairs, make my tea, sit down at my desk, say, oh God, here I am. I'm blind. Help me. And morning after morning after morning, he does. He does. And when you head into the day having feasted on the bread of life, you won't be tempted with the moldy little crusts that you see in the gutter. Okay? But as the day goes on, and if you get a little hungry, and you are tempted, it's because I'm blinded to who Jesus is. So as soon as you can, you stop and you pray. Open my eyes. You, you take a little snack on one verse you've memorized. I'm going to snack on Philippians 419. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You just, you just snack on that little verse maybe during a break at work. Oh, that's good. Oh, yes, that's good. All right. See how that works? Okay, so Grace Church, let's feast. Let's feast. The Christian life is not turning from greater joys to settling for lesser joys. The Christian life is turning from the lesser joys and feasting on the greater joys now and forever. Okay, let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. Father, I ask... I would guess that some here this morning are they're right now, Lord. They're, they're being tempted. They came, walked in this morning tempted. There's something that's been tempting them, and they're battling it. We love them. You love them. We all have experienced that. Lord, I pray that right now, right now, you'd, you'd help them see the danger they're in. Help them see that the reason they're tempted is because they are spiritually blind. Their sin is blinding them to Jesus and that you will heal their spiritual blindness. Lord, help them to see that right now and help them to humble themselves before you. So if that's you, if, if you're in the, in the throes of a temptation, cry out to Jesus Christ right now. Trust him. Say, help me. Listen, you can't do this by yourself. You cannot do it by yourself. You will fail. This is super important. This is dangerous to, to think you can do it by yourself. You cannot, but he will. He can and he will again and again and again and again. He's our savior. So turn to him and trust him and look to the reward. He'll meet you. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be growing in a rhythm of feasting on the bread of life before we head into the day. Lord, help us with that. Give us wisdom to how our schedules can be worked, what we can do. But Lord, help us to head into the day feeding on you, living bread, Jesus Christ. And Lord, feed us now as we worship you with this song.